Welcome back to Chum the Water. My name is Aaron David, and uh, these are becoming nightly little chats, I think. Little chat sessions. And uh, this is Night of the Sun, and I just got back from the temple area, stepping in, stepping into the circle, anointing with the oil of Abramelin, lighting the incense, lighting the lamp, invoking the archangels, invoking the angel of the tarot, and then pulling my four little cards. And that's what I always do with tarot. I just do four cards. It's really simple, and it's always been extraordinarily direct. Uh, And uh, I was reading David Allen Hall. I wasn't actually reading it. I was perusing it. David Allen Hulse's The Key of It All, the second book, and uh, it associated uh, types of divination to zodiacal signs, and Capricorn was listed as geomancy and cartomancy, if I'm remembering right, but I was like, cartomancy, that sounds right, because I always just have seemed to have uh, had an affinity uh, with uh, with the tarot. And with cards in general, going way back to childhood, playing cards. But uh, my my desk is also full of note cards. And note cards seem to be the best way I learn. So it would make sense that a deck of cards full of the universe in symbol uh, would be my, my go-to thing. But... Uh, If you remember last show, I uh, was talking about this impulsive anger trigger uh, in the world of poker called Tilt, how it keeps affecting me in what I'm trying to do uh, with my career, and it's it's like the only hindrance I have right now. Um, Everything else pertaining to this is solved this is the last hurdle like before success uh it's just what keeps getting me and i had stopped playing chess i stopped playing magic the gathering i stopped playing uh poker uh i will go through periods of downloading them and then deleting them and then downloading them and deleting them and Uh, it's because I keep getting tilted and I'm like, forget this. I've never, I'm never playing. And so, uh, like last night I was trying to, I was like, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to try to play a 10 minute chess game and we'll see how it goes because 10 minute chess games infuriate me. Five minute chess games infuriate me. One minute chess games are like my personality um like there's a tv show that kelly just recently watched on netflix about this girl who plays chess i kind of saw bits and pieces of it i saw the part where uh the bullet chess players just destroyed her and she was brilliant in the long game but had never experienced anything like the short game and i'm just the opposite of her my short game is fire, but it's the long game. Uh, I cannot keep up 
consistency. I'd burn up. I'd burn out. I'd blow up. Um, too fast, too hard, and I, I just can't sustain it. Uh, so I need to do the opposite of what she did and figure out the long game. Uh, so back to the tarot reading, uh, I pulled, well, first I, I went into the temple and I asked in a very succinct, clear, clear way, uh, I need a practical answer to this issue, a very practical answer on how to proceed forward and deal with this and get through this and conquer it. So, Queen of Swords was the first card <laughs> I pulled. And I will read both Crowley and Lon Milo Duquette's entry on Queen of Swords. And if you compare that to what I was talking about in the last show, this is like such a direct answer. You know, you shuffle 78 cards and you ask this angel that presides over the cards to, you know, help you out. And bam, out of the 78 cards that I could have pulled, this one most directly deals with the issue. And it takes a lot of understanding to even be able to perceive, you know, if you didn't know, it would just be a funny looking card. But uh, so Queen of Swords was the first one I pulled. Uh, Nine of Disc, which is Venus and Virgo, was the second card. Three of Cups, which is Mercury and Pisces. Uh, and then finally, Ace of Wands. Extraordinarily <laughs> direct. Uh, in the last show, I'm just really tickled about this. Uh, in the last show, I actually said... I don't understand where the root of this is. Well, there's the answer, the Ace of Wands. It's literally, uh, the uh, title is uh, the root of the powers of fire. That, <laughs> that's like so cool to me. That's like so cool. Um, the practical part of this answer, because if nobody's very familiar with divination, uh, they're expecting something that when you give them a divination, it may not, unless you're good at it, may not be what they're expecting. They're kind of like, you know, I was expecting a, a fortune telling routine or something, but, uh, I think the practical part of this, this little four card pull is in the nine of discs and the three of cups. I mean, the small, small cards, that's exactly what it is. But for me specifically, uh, it is Venus and Virgo and Mercury and Pisces, those as astrological aspects, uh, which is something I follow pretty closely, uh, each day. And uh, not only those, but also the spirits of the hours. Just as a side note, I said the other day, I, I think I had had two mentors. There's actually three. I had forgotten about Gordon White, which is where uh, I originally started delving into the spirits of the hours. And I'm still doing it. Uh, 
the first Mercury initiation I did, I wrote this little chat book called the Solomon's Lotto book, which was uh, all the names of the angels and demons of each hour of each day. And uh, I did uh, transfer them into numbers Kabbalistically. So that was the whole little chat book. And uh, continuing in that, I would like to uh, supplement it uh, with uh, the lesser key of Solomon, Joseph uh, Peterson's, uh, the part on the spirits of, uh, let's see if I can turn it here, uh, the hours and those seals. The seals are uh, something I want to look, this is like future work I'm talking about. It's pretty abstracted right now in my head, but I know that I want to use the Kabbalah of Nine Chambers uh, to turn those names into seals and specifically the uh, with the Higermanteas uh, spirits of the hours, uh, using the first, the sunrise, uh, the first hour of the day, those angels, that angel, those angels and demons specifically making those seals first, because you make all the seals each hour of every day of the week. This you're gonna have. That's gonna be a lot of work. But anyway, back. To the tarot reading, I'll go ahead and, oh my god, I closed both books. I had them open to the entry. And uh, let's see if I can find Queen of Swords really quickly. Yeah. Let's see. I always have this issue with this book. So let's see. All right. Uh, that's the wrong book. I wanted to do Crowley's entry first because Lon Milo's book is about interpreting what Crowley said. Oh, wow. I'm, this is going to take a long time to find here. Actually, let's see. There's Queen of Wands, Cups discs oh my gosh alright we're there we're there we're there one more page queen of swords here goes some reading the queen of swords represents the watery part of air the elasticity of that element and its power of transmission she rules from the 21st degree of Virgo to the 20th degree of Libra. She is enthroned upon the clouds. The upper part of her body is naked, but she wears a gleaming belt and a sarong. Her helmet is crested by the head of a child, and from it stream sharp rays of light, illuminating her empire of celestial dew. In her right hand she bears a sword, in her left hand the newly severed head of a bearded man. She is the clear, conscious perception of idea, the liberator of the mind. The person symbolized by this card should be intensely perceptive, a keen observer, a subtle interpreter, an intense individualist, swift and accurate at recording ideas, 
in action confident, in spirit gracious and just. Her movements will be graceful and her ability in dancing and balancing exceptional. That sentence is very important to me. And what I do is find premium and discount and equilibrium. It's a dance. If ill-dignified, these qualities will all be turned to unworthy purposes. She will be cruel, sly, deceitful, and unreliable, in this way very dangerous on account of the superficial beauty and attractiveness which distinguish her. And the Yi-King, the watery part of air, is represented by the 28th hexagram. Uh, the shape suggests a weak beam. The character, excellent in itself, cannot support interference. Foresight and prudence, care in preparation of action, are a safeguard. That sentence is, ah, like, such good advice. Like, that's the practical, like, when I ask, oh, it's, like, Yeah. Advantage is to be won, moreover, by reliance on help from apparently unsuitable comrades. This... Comrades? Hmm. This alien strength often supplies the defeat of inherent weakness and may even create definite superiority to circumstance. In such an event, there may be temptation to undertake rash adventures foredoomed to failure but even so no blame is incurred the conditions of true will have been satisfied and the issue is compensated by the feeling that the right however unfortunate course has been adopted such people acquire intense love and devotion from the most unexpected quarters uh so those two sentences really speak to me on on what I'm dealing with with this what poker players call tilt. Uh, so here is um, Lon Milo Duquette's entry on the Queen of Swords. Of course, Crowley's entry was from the Book of Thoth, and uh, Lon Milo's book is Understanding Alistair Crowley's Thoth Tarot. So, uh, Queen of Swords, it's nice how he has this laid out. Water of Air, 20 degrees Virgo to 20 degrees Libra, September 12th to October 12th. Rules 10 of Disc, 2 of Swords, 3 of Swords. Original Titles, The Queen of the Thrones of Air, Queen of Sylphs and Sylphides. Crest, Winged Child's Head, Symbols, head of a man severed that's that's fascinating to me as well uh cumulus clouds drawn sword hair gray eyes light brown and uh the severed head you'll hear Bon milo say exactly what i wanted to hear about the severed head and again comparing what he's going to say with what i said in the last show and like I swear to god I didn't like uh do this like by design <laughs> I literally just got back from a tarot reading so uh the card 
represents Crowley's sun sign, and so naturally, it is the most intimidating card in the deck. Uh, my light has gone pale. One look at this lady tells us she means business. Water of air is suggestive of clouds that promise either life-giving rain or the threat of a torrential cloudburst. She holds the severed head of a bearded man in her left hand and the sword that probably did the job in her right. One may think this grisly touch is another gruesome Crowleyism. It is not. This image is the classic Golden Dawn description of the Queen of Swords and makes a fundamental Kabbalistic statement. The suit of swords represents Yitzhira, the formative world, the mind's eye of deity. Swords and Yitzhira's counterpart in the human soul is the Ruach, the intellect, which is centered in the brain, the human head. Using the sword of discretion and reason, the queen has separated the higher faculties of the intellect from the influences of the lower nature, the nefesh, the animal soul. She is quite literally, Curly points out, liberator of the mind. That just like gives me chills. The head is that of a bearded man, the hermit of Virgo, perhaps. The eyes closed peacefully, the face suggesting the trance of deep meditation. The influence of Virgo moving into Libra gives the Queen of Swords the practicality and grace of a great monarch. These are such fantastic sentences. Uh, the native should be intensely perceptive. And I believe that's a, uh, a repetition of Crowley's words uh, continuing out from there. Uh, it does mention Crowley's fellow Queen of Swords include Gandhi, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, H.G. Wells, and Stephen King. Um, Virgo moving into Libra. And Nine of Disc is Venus and Virgo. Those two things are interesting. Uh, Venus also has a mythological... Uh, um, alliance that's not the right word with Pisces anyway those are things for me to check out later on the astrology app uh, so yeah but I guess that's all I wanted to share and I am excited because I can't like give you how difficult this is for me having been dealing with this I'm trying to do something that is extraordinarily performance oriented and you can't mess up like for one minute of one day uh, or it all could go away <laughs> if you if you get to that place of what poker players call tilt that's what destroys poker players and poker and trading have so much in common uh, but I actually do not play chess and uh, poker and Magic the Gathering 
I go through fits of uh, disgust and just stop playing and uh, delete them and then download them again and delete them. And it's because I keep hitting this wall of raging frustration. Uh, it's like I get really good at the short game and like I cannot just keep carrying it out. I, the endurance isn't there and it's because of this this rage that builds in the short game. Uh, so there's a television show that Kelly watched about this girl uh, who's a chess player and it was on Netflix or something. I just saw brief snippets uh, of it and what I saw was she had never played bullet chess. She was This is a point in her career where everybody was like, wow, you're brilliant and really good at this. And then she met the bullet chess people and <laughs> she got hurt bad. And uh, that's me. I'm the bullet chess people. Uh, but I don't have a long game. I am horrible at the long game. And in fact, yesterday, after this realization of this is exactly... It's not just chess, poker, and trading that's screwing me over in. It's screwing me over big time in other areas of my life. And uh, it's the same. Like, I could see it is just the only way I could put it. And um, I was like, last night, I was like, I'm just going to... I know what will trigger it. I'm going to play a 10-minute game of chess. And even a 5-minute game I find infuriating. But I was like, you know, sure as shit, this is going to trigger this feeling. Uh, all I have to do is play a 10-minute chess game. And so I played one, and then I played another, and another, and another, and another, and another. And that's what, by the time I got a hold of myself, I went into Kelly, and I was like, yeah, this is what happens. And my underarms were like drenched. My heart was like racing. And this is exactly what's happening where I get in this, it, it's performance-based, it's like short game stuff, uh, and I get sucked in and s s way too much in the zone where I become, this emotion builds and blah, 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 and I end up just like, when I step away from it, that's when it really sinks in, like, what the hell have I been doing? Like, look at me. Uh, and with something like trading, it can go really, uh, really heavily, heavily affect your psychology, your mental health, your, your sleep cycle, your ability to, you know, get through your day is not as a like nervous wreck. It takes us definitely takes a certain personality for the short game stuff uh, it is and that's what I'm seeing with that tarot card okay I know I'm kind of rambling at this point but that queen of swords is like saying stop trying to play that game that game is like a kid's game uh, stop playing the kid's game stop goofing around playing things like their video games 
stop playing them, step back and put some real strategizing for the long game and focus more on that. That's what practical like advice uh, that I'm getting, but I would also like to work with the uh, Queen of Swords in more esoteric ways. And uh, I guess that's what I'm going to say now because um, you're never sure if you like say too much of what's in your head. Like you're you're never sure is this going to be like absurd to other people? And I mean, what? we put in place of what's actually going on in our heads. That's what's really absurd. Uh, The stuff we go around talking about in our daily lives to seem like we're we're normal and you know we're not weird. Um, I think there's this great uh, pull in people's lives to be part of the norm uh, fit in socially uh, and it, this this gets into uh, pol- politics, religion it's where you live um, there is a what do I want to call this like a cultural dictate that we all adhere to and when uh Crowley mentioned uh, this fierce independence. Um, That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Stepping out of that into who you want to be. uh, Not who culture or your family or your friends or your country or whatever uh, wants you to be. But you find out what you want to be. And uh, that seems to be, this is the last leg of that journey. Uh, Like, it sounds silly. It sounds silly. Like, but this is, this is what it is. Messing me up big time. So I'm really excited. No idea how long I've been talking. You can tell I'm quite chatty. 26 minutes. Perfect. Seem to be keeping it around the 30 minute level. Well, we've got 26, 27, what's that? Four minutes? Well, actually, three minutes. Hmm. What else has been going on? Well, uh, the chickens are in the coop. It's a little, little humid out, a little bit stuffy in the coop. So I changed the straw out. And it's two chickens. And they've got plenty of room in there. I'm expecting any day to, for them to have uh, produced an egg, but that hasn't happened yet. We're we're coming up on 18 weeks. I'm not sure exactly where we're at. I'll have to look at it. But they're they've gotten so big and feathery, and it's crazy. I'll go out there and they'll like run up to me. And uh, it's really cool. I found out I really love chickens. Like, it's so cool. I feel like like Link. They're even white, like the ones in The Legend of Zelda. And I do not hit them with a sword until they, like, attack me. I would never do that. I don't... I maybe did it, like, once. Like, 
in a link to the past which I was think I think that's the first place they they did that in those games and I don't know if Shigeru Miyamoto was like I'm gonna do this like I'm gonna put this in the game if he has some weird chicken thing like I don't know there's probably a YouTube channel that goes into why that is in Zelda at all that you can abuse chickens it seems really bizarre I mean it's up to you whether you want to abuse the chickens or not but just that the game lets you do that it's like uh it's weird I mean it's probably not for today's video games weird you probably do like anything you want I don't know what you can do in today's video games I'm old and like when I get rich I just want a room with uh, a bunch of Nintendo stuff all the Nintendo stuff that I had that I sold off sometime in my 20s when I was like god I gotta do something besides like play video games and what's so funny is uh, with trading man all that video game playing helped but it's up to a certain point where you realize I can't play it like a video game anymore (laughs) because this video game I gotta take this is like life I don't have an extra life I don't have one and I can't get an extra life I gotta run this perfectly (laughs) this has to be a perfect run so uh yeah it's actually probably the greatest video game ever now that i think about it i mean really the greatest video game ever but yeah uh i think nintendo 64 i would have to run with as favorite console of all time of course i never played anything but nintendo stuff but out of nintendo consoles Uh, yeah and I'm sure a lot of people would say that and favorite game on Nintendo 64 well probably a lot of people would say uh, Ocarina of Time or Majora's Mask and those are up there but I have very special memories well a lot of people would say GoldenEye 007 and yeah I would agree with that as well but Uh, I have very special memories of a game called Goemon's Mystical Quest or something like that. And uh, it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my jam that I'd be probably like in a retirement facility somewhere, hopefully one for rich people. And I'd be playing that and I'd ask them to bring me an extra serving of my pills <laughs> my natural cannabis pills oh my god I'm really chatty tonight I think I'm over caffeinated alright I'm gonna cut it out here cause we're at 3125 alright peace out